So the ladies, many of the ladies are away on a retreat. And uh, if this were a classroom, what would the professor do? He'd say, you all need to move up and, <laughs> and get out of your normal seat. But I won't do that. So um, I'm actually going to start by praying for the ladies. Uh, Bill prayed uh, ahead of time. Nobody's at the sound booth right now. Oh, Tom's there. There you are. Sorry, echoey up here. I'm going to pray for the ladies. They're finishing up the retreat. Bill prayed for Sue last week, and I'm going to uh, bookend that with another prayer for them as they finish up their time. So join me, and then we'll transition into our, the time in, in the Word for us. So, Gracious Father, we thank you for the, the women of our church who are up at Camp of the Woods, and we pray that their weekend was incredibly beneficial and fruitful and fun. And as they finish up this morning, may you continue to open up eyes and hearts to the glory of Jesus, uh, to the delight that he is, uh, to, the, to the reward and to the treasure that he is, uh, and may it fuel uh, great faith and great love and service uh, for those women here, not only in this church, but also wherever they have influence uh, and relationships outside of Grace Chapel. We pray for our time in the Word, that you would open up our eyes and our hearts to help us to be the kind of encouragers that you have called us to be in the midst of all kinds of anxiety and stress and distress and despair that could come because of living in a world like this. We need your help and we ask for it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. So last week, uh, Greg kicked off a what will be a sermon series, and he talked about anxiety and where anxiety comes from. And really what he said was anxiety at its root is, is being of a divided mind. Can you have one eye on Jesus, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're a Christian. So you keep one eye on Jesus, and then you have another eye, another part of your mind and your heart on situations. Could be anything. Could be any kind of circumstance. Anything that would cause anxiety or stress or despair or fear, and I'll probably use all those kinds of words today, just as Greg did last week, to describe this, this thing that goes on when we look at God, but then we're also looking at, at circumstances and situations. Now, I want you to think back to your most anxious moments in life. Could be this week, could have been this morning, could have been five years ago, ten years ago. What helped you get through that time. So don't necessarily focus on what you were dwelling on, but what helped you? What helped you get out of the situation? Go ahead, shout out your answers. There's... What was the first one? God? God, yeah, okay. That's what the kids are answering right now. It's like they don't know that God is Jesus. Yep, that's right. You're totally right. Okay, so what did God use? Let me rephrase the question. What did God use to get you out of your anxiety, your stress, your despair? Spouse. Spouse, yeah, people, people. If I were to guess, I would say it was the encouragement of people that helped you. Now, of course you need the word. Of course you need prayer. But you need people. That's essential. It's absolutely essential. That's how God has designed the, the church to function, right? We function as a community. And so when someone is anxious, when someone is distressed, God has put us in each other's lives to get us through. Now, on my computer, you would, if you were to look on my computer, you would find a folder that says encouraging notes. 
I don't know if you do this. It's a good practice. I'm going to start out with application. Save the encouraging notes you get from people. Scan them or an email, save them. I have this whole list that I keep and I read them. Some of them are decade old and I go back and I'm encouraged. And when I look at those things, I say, only God could be working in my life for someone to say something like that and encourage me. And when I read those, I'm spurred on. I'm motivated. I'm uh, emboldened in my faith. And I'm thankful for that person who said that thing at the very right time. And it would, and if I think back to the situation, it got me through whatever I was going through. Encouragement is key. And this truth comes from the scriptures. And we're going to be in Hebrews 10 today, so you can turn to Hebrews 10. We're just going to look at two verses, and I'll set the context for you. But what we see is that encouragement is a God-ordained remedy for fear, for anxiety. For distress. Hebrews 2 verses 24 and 25 is where we'll be. And before we get to the passage, I want to warn you or give you a, 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 a good caution that at the end of our time this morning, we're going to have an encouragement sharing. And I'll explain a little bit later, but we're going to take probably five to ten minutes to encourage each other in various ways. And so as we go through the sermon, I'll give you permission to be thinking about something else. How might you encourage the people in this room here today? So we're going to do that at the end. So here's the message of Hebrews 10. Sin is forgiven. You're clean. You've been washed. So you can have confidence before the throne of God, before a holy God. There's no reason to fear. Right? That's the message of Hebrews 10, if you were to read back that Jesus has taken all of what you deserved for being a sinner. He not only sacrificed like priests did, he is the sacrifice. And so you can go before a holy God, confident. You have what Hebrews says is the full assurance of faith. And so you hear that and you go, all right, great, I'm a Christian. Jesus has paid for my sins. So no more fear, no more anxiety. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? Do you feel like that way 100% of the time? Of course you don't. And of course I don't. Nobody would say, I'm a Christian, so I have no more anxiety, have no more fear. We want that. But the reality of being broken people, living in a broken and fallen world, is that we will fear. We will have anxiety we will have times of distress. It's nice, but it's not real. It's nice to think that, but it's just not reality. We all get anxious. And so we have to ask, where does our reality come from? Like, where, where does it, what's the root when you say, I am worried about where my child is going, and it is just paralyzing me. When you can, are concerned about, as Greg said, our, our senior pastor search, you're, you're just paralyzed or you're always worrying about it. Where does that come from? When you're worried about your boss and how they're going to respond to you when you go in on Monday morning, where does that come from? Ultimately, it comes from some place where we do not truly believe, fully believe that God is good and that he's gracious and that he's glorious and he's sufficient and he'll take care of us. In, the chap in Hebrews 10, what was going on was 
the author is writing to people who, who maybe didn't believe that what Christ did was sufficient for their forgiveness. And if we broaden the application, we could say in any situation, ultimately what's going on is, I don't know if I trust that God is good and that, if he, and that he loves me and that he's glorious and he's gracious and then he wants to be a help and a refuge and a strong tower. That's what's going on. So the remedy, of course, as we said, word, prayer, ultimately God, but this thing called encouragement is amazing when it happens. So let's look now at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Here's what it says. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I'm going to keep this very simple. Just three things here this passage tells us that we need to do if we're going to be this community of encouragers. Here's the first thing. Let's think hard about how to help people follow Jesus. He starts out and says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. So this word stir up is kind of a fun word. It means incite or provoke. Now, usually you incite people to do something illegal, right? Do you ever incite people to do good things? It's, it's a negative word, usually. And so think of it this way. Like, let's do a good job of scheming together or strategizing together how to spur people on to love and good deeds. Notice the love and good deeds part. Now, if you were helping someone to get over their anxiety, uh, usually you, you might think to do, uh, to do something like this. Well, we have to figure out uh, how you can think about you and help yourself. And that's totally the opposite of what the author says. You have full assurance before God. That's earlier in the chapter. And now he says, stir up one another. To what? Love and service. Serve someone else. That's the job of the church. That's what we're doing when we're encouraging one another. We're challenging each other to love and good deeds. Anxiety makes me, I don't know about you, but anxiety makes me think about me more. Right? I'm really overwhelmed with my world and overwhelmed with my situations. And the last thing I want to do is think about other people. And the church's job is to help each other to think about others. And you get your mind off yourself. Right? That's crazy how it works. But that's how God has designed it to work. So the goal here, the inciting that we do, is not mainly to help people out of anxiety for their own sake, but to help people for the sake of others. So as we're stirring each other up, we're, we're doing a good job thinking hard about how to help each other follow Jesus, which we know means you love God and you love your neighbor and you're living for other people, not yourself. So that's the first thing. Second thing, let's gather together regularly and often. So he goes on, he says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. It's like he's saying, you know, there's some people out there who they just stopped. They've just given up on meeting with the church. The reality is, is if you want to stir each other up, if we want to do that, you have to be around each other. But what does anxiety do? typically. Why is this so key? 
because it's isolating, right? All of a sudden, you start to think, I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm the only one who's stressed out about this. I'm the only one whom this is happening to. And all of a sudden, you start to come around less and less. You start to come around less and less. And we don't see you. Now, this isn't only talking about Sunday worship. It couldn't be. I don't think God would be saying that, okay, all the encouragement in the world for the church needs to be happening between 10.30 and 11.45. 11.55 if the sermon is long, and 11.40 if it's short. And that's where you need to fit all of the encouraging in. I think what he's saying is, is in your life together, gather together a lot. On Sundays, yes. But on Monday mornings, on Wednesday nights, on Saturday mornings. Be around each other. Don't stop that. If it were only this time, then we would be neglecting the other 117 waking hours of the week. Families gather together a lot usually more than Sunday afternoon dinner, how much more for the people of God who are united in his family? So gather together. Don't stop gathering together. Keep it up. Defeating anxiety takes a community. If you want full assurance of faith before God, then you need each other. I need you. That's how, it's, that's how it works. That's how God has designed us to work. Number three, let's strengthen each other's faith until Jesus comes back. So look at the last part of the passage. But encouraging one another, so he comes back to that, it's really parallel to stir one another up to love and good deeds. Encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So through sharing the word with each other, through praying, sharing physical resources, all those kinds of ways that we encourage. He's saying keep on doing it all the more until you see the day drawing near. And what is the day? What is the day he's talking about? Do you know? The day Jesus comes back, right? Judgment day. To the last day. Keep going. It's like he's saying, you know, as you go on till that day, it's not going to get easier to be a Christian. It's not. That's why you need each other. Keep on keeping on. Keep encouraging one another. So this is what we need to hear. He is faithful. He will be with you. He is good. He is kind. He loves you. We need to hear that over and over and over again because it's not getting easier. And as you go on in life, it doesn't get easier to follow Jesus. It gets harder. It should be more joyful, but it continues to get harder. It's the narrow road. It's the hard way. It's not easy. Now, there's some reasons why we fail to do this, right? Here's what I think, and maybe you have your own. I think they know the truth, or they know that God is for them, but they don't really want to hear it from me right now, in this moment. Or, I don't really have anything to offer them. I don't really know their situation all that well. I've never experienced that. How could I be a help to them? So then what happens? I become anxious about trying to help them get through their anxiety. We all have those reasons or those excuses or those obstacles to encouraging each other. But the author says, keep it up. Strengthen each other's face, faith. <coughs> Fix your eyes on Jesus. Have that unified mind where you're always looking at him. Now, here's the interesting thing about this text. It's not telling us 
to go seek out people who will encourage us because we have stress and fear. It's saying, let us together stir each other up. And so that's a challenge to all of us. You're anxious today. You're discouraged today. You're frustrated. You're tired. You're distressed. You're just, you just can't get comfortable in your own skin because there's so much going on. And the author of Hebrews says, encourage one another. Don't wait for somebody to come up to you and encourage you. Go encourage. Keep keeping on. Call each other to look to Jesus because he is faithful. And keep doing it until the day he comes back. So this is what we need. This is what I need every day. It's so simple. This is the simplest thing in the world. Just encourage. We've been united through what Jesus has done. We have full assurance of faith before God. And yet we live in a broken and fallen world. And we need each other. We need each other. So here's what we're going to do. I told you this would be really short. We're going to take a time of encouragement. I want us to actually do this before we leave. Now again, this isn't only on Sunday. If it were only on Sunday, you'd have to come really early and stay really late every week. So we're ending early so that we can do this together. So I'm going to sit down in a minute after I pray. And we're going to have a mic up here. If you have something encouraging to share with the whole congregation, do it. And I don't mainly mean a personal story. I mean, what could you speak to this group here today that might encourage the body of Christ? Now, you might not want to come up front, and time might limit you from coming up front. So I would encourage you, you see what I did there? I would encourage you to turn to your neighbor or your spouse or your kid and encourage them. Encourage them in some way, verbally. Get up and go to the other side of the room with somebody that you don't see often and encourage them. This could be a little chaotic, and that's fine. The third thing you can do, there's little note cards all over the room. You might have walked in and sat by one and said, oh no, something's happening, what's going on? Perhaps there's somebody you're thinking of who's here today and you don't know if you might have the right words to say verbally, but you could write it down, or someone's not here and you want to send them a note. Go grab one of those note cards and write a note to them, an encouraging note. It's always encouraging to get something that's written because you keep it. It's like a little treasure, right? I have a little treasure box in my closet of encouraging things I've gotten over the years. And it keeps you going. It keeps you motivated until the day, until he comes back. You want to continue on in faith. You want to grow in faith. Encourage and be encouraged. So let me pray. I'm going to sit down and encourage one another. Encourage each other. Gracious Father, we thank you that you have given us this gift of encouragement. We want to now and throughout this week and this month and in all of the time that we have together to stir up, to incite, to provoke one another to love and good deeds, to encourage each other not to give up, to continue on in holiness, to continue on in fighting the good fight, to continue on in pursuing you in prayer, to continue on uh, to reach those in our offices or our classrooms that don't know you, to continue on to trust in you when life doesn't seem to be going the way we would have wanted or hoped.
to trust you when our children have gone astray or to trust you when we're not sure about the future of uh, our pastor search, uh, to trust you even if our spouse is not loving us or caring for us. May we encourage each other. So give this congregation right now, give us the strength to do this. To not have a divided mind, but to have a united mind on Christ and to spur one another on toward that for your glory. Make us the kind of encouraging community that you call your people to be and have mercy on us, Lord, when we don't feel the strength to do that, when we don't feel like we have to give what we want. Encourage us and use each other's encouragement to spur us on to pursue you more. For some of us here today, that's what we need. Somebody's waiting for an encouraging word and I pray that they hear it. And I also pray that that same person those same people, go and encourage and don't wait. So be with us now. And as chaotic as this time might seem, may you be honored and blessed by it. And ultimately the one who gets glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.